You are about to listen to Where Your Treasure Is, the podcast where faith and finance meet. Please note, the views expressed are our own and in no way represent any form of financial advice. And remember, investments can go down as well as up. Happy listening. Hello and welcome back to this episode of Where Your Treasure Is podcast. I'm Bex Elder and in this episode I will be quizzing our resident financial expert Simon Glazier on the topic of financial planning. He is a chartered financial planner and so is definitely the right man to ask. But maybe you're thinking, why bother? I don't care about financial planning. I don't have a financial planner and I don't think I need one. Can you skip over this and actually get to the things that matter how I deal with my money? Simon, how would you respond to these kind of comments? Oh, thank you, Bex. You don't pull punches, do you? So just get right in there. Undermine my qualifications, my career, my entire profession. What am I here for? And yet, uh, you're right. For most people, the idea of financial planning is completely alien to them. Financial planning for many is simply hoping that the month runs out before the money runs out. But before we go into details, before I answer your question properly, let me throw the question back at you, Bex. Last episode, we took a whistle-stop tour of what the Bible says about money. So, Can you think of any verses or scriptures or stories within the Bible that speak of planning? And and bonus points, if you can think of any that speak of planning in the context of financial planning, Bex. What do you think? So I'm really glad that I got to look at the show notes before and have a chance to sit and think about this, because I found what feels like two potentially contradictory Bible references. So one is the parable from Luke 14, 28 which says, suppose one of you wants to build a tower, won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish it. Now, I want to avoid being ridiculed, and this parable seems to suggest that planning is a good thing. But then another couple of chapters before that in Luke, in Luke 12, 18, it talks about the rich fool. And it says that Jesus says, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? And that seems to suggest that maybe planning isn't such a good thing. So which one of these is right and how do I interpret them successfully? Well, interesting, uh, Bex, that really they're both right. Uh, And they're both right because as we read the scriptures, as we read the Bible, With much of it, and in fact, you might argue with all of it, you can read it in many layers. So let's try and put a bit of context around these two parables, and then we'll pull out uh, the financial planning principles behind them. So with the parable of the man building a tower, actually, Jesus is talking about the cost and the cost of being one of his disciples. He's warning his listeners not to jump in without first counting the cost. So it is a planning issue, but it's not strictly about really a man building a tower. 
the context of the second parable we spoke about, the rich fool, is summed up right at the end. There's a sentence and Jesus says this. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. So in this case, it's a warning about greed, not being greedy. It's not a warning against planning for the future. So we have the Bible as this interesting resource where we can pull out certain aspects, but we also have to put them into the context of the time they were in and try and draw from them the principles that we can take hold of. Does that help? That helps a lot. I think the temptation can always be to take the Bible literally and to apply it. And sometimes that's the right thing. But sometimes, as you say, we have to peel back those layers and also look at the context of the time. And we're going to spend a lot of other episodes delving into um, the Bible in more detail. But today we're specifically focused on financial planning. So what is financial planning? Okay, so we've established so far on the podcast this concept of stewardship. God gives us all we have and he expects us to use it and to manage it wisely. And in this modern day financial system that we're all part of, all of us also need to plan our finances pretty much every day. Now, that might be that you're working or you're receiving benefits or you're getting your pension. And what doesn't happen is that every day you get given just enough money for today's needs. Typically, we get paid on a weekly or a monthly basis all at once for the money to last us until the next payment comes in. And this itself is a basic form of financial planning. You can't spend all the money on day one and have none left for the rest of the month. And then if you kind of take that to a grander scale and you think about longer term goals and objectives you might have, you might want to save up for a holiday and one payslip, one income payment doesn't cover the whole cost. Or you want to buy a car or or buy a house. Or maybe one day you're thinking that, hey, I'd like to give up work one day and retire. Financial planning in these contexts becomes ever more important and actually ever more complicated. How can you use today's money to meet today's needs, but also meet the needs of tomorrow and your future and possibly the future of other people as well? But here's a really important point, Bex. I'm going to pull us right back for a second. Financial planning doesn't start with money. Now, that point has completely thrown me because I thought we were here to talk about how I spend my money and how I make it work with me. So what do you mean by that, that financial planning is not always about money or that's not the starting place? Okay, so it is about money, but money isn't the main thing. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Money is just a tool. We use it. It is a means to an end. It is not an end in and of itself. I mean, the person who dies with the most money is not the winner. After all, they are still dead. So the purpose of financial planning is, well, it's to fulfill your purpose. So you have to start with the question of what is my purpose? And that is a massive question in and of itself. I spent years living and working really before it became clear to me that I was made for a purpose. You've mentioned it in the prospects. You feel like God made you to do something. And it's only when we work out what that thing is and when we start to fulfill that purpose in our lives that life really becomes fulfilling. 
And that question of purpose um, can be so daunting. And so often we can doubt, am I right about my purpose? Did I hear God on that? And it can be a real mental minefield. So Simon, you said you weren't always sure about your purpose. So what would you say it is now? And how did you find it? So I reckon all Christians have a kind of shared common purpose. And that major overarching purpose is that we should worship God and we should glorify God. It's about our relationship with God and how we communicate God to other people. Within my life over the past, well, I'll not say how many years, but several decades, as I have kind of learned and practiced and experienced and gone through life, I've come to realize that beyond that, family really matters to me marriages, maintaining healthy, strong marriages, being a good parent and helping other people with their relationships too, not just mine and my own family. And then the third thing, faith and family, and then philanthropy for me is really important, being generous. I really feel as though one of the gifts God has given me is to be able to create wealth, but not for my own benefit. It's also to pass it on. And I've tested that and I've tried it and I've studied it. And I've come to the conclusion, one of the things God has made me for is to manage his wealth and pass it on to those who need it, individuals and organizations. And so when I plan my financial affairs, I'm always doing it in the mindset of, am I making good decisions that help me with my faith journey and the journeys of other people, their relationship with God, with my relationships with my family? and other people's relationships with their families? And am I being generous with my time and my effort, my knowledge and my resources? Financial planning for me is about all those things. Fantastic. I love those values of faith, family and philanthropy. And you've given such a clear framework of how those then go on to shape your financial decisions and your financial planning. But I imagine there may be some people listening today who aren't as clear um, on their purpose and vision as you are. So does that mean the rest of us shouldn't bother doing any financial planning? How does that look for us? Okay, of course, I'm going to say no, you don't not do any financial planning. You should definitely do some now. And in the same way that it takes a bit of time to work out maybe your, your vision for life, your purpose for life, it's the same with financial planning. You have to start where you are now. Where has God put you now? What abilities and resources has God given you now? We can't go and change the past, but we can now look forward and think, how from this point can I best use what God has given me? How can I be a good steward? Can I end the journey well? I think everybody would think that family is really important, but money is this really interesting issue that sometimes doesn't always follow our intentions. Our heart can be for our family but sometimes our wallets and our purses don't always do the same thing. Christians would always put faith at the start of their their priorities, but so often our money doesn't always echo our value of putting faith first. Anybody, whether they're of a Christian faith or another faith or no faith at all, can look at their money situation, their financial planning, and they can go forward from this point onwards. But for the Christian, Their finances and their faith are not two separate entities. They are deeply entwined. And we have to work these two things through together from wherever you are to where we think God is directing us. And it sounds from what you said that both our vision for our lives, our purpose and our financial plan 
can change over time as we kind of distill that down as life takes us on different trajectories. And I guess one of the things that can change over time is who we are doing life with. Maybe at the moment we're single, maybe we are starting to date or we're married or we have children. And all of that can kind of change how we plan our finances. And so I suppose my question to you, Simon, is, is financial planning an individual activity or are there people who we should be inviting into this conversation? Yeah, you're absolutely right, Bex. Situation changes over time. And actually, over those changing circumstances, how you manage your finances to change. Imagine you're growing up in a household. Typically, your parents manage all the finances and maybe they give you pocket money. Maybe you do chores. Eventually, you have some of your own money in your pocket and you start to learn how to deal with it. And then maybe you leave home, you you get your first job or you're off to university and you're having to manage the, the money coming in and what you're spending it on and your rent. But it's just you. You get to make your own decisions. Now, in some respects, that makes it really easy. There's only you to be held accountable to. You, you make mistakes and you suffer. But it's also a bad thing because it's only you. There's, there's no one to talk to about it. There's no one to check in with and say, hey, do you think I'm doing the right thing? I think we have a great opportunity within the, the church environment to maybe extend our conversation slightly for those people who have nobody else to check in. Am I doing good things with my money? Actually, it's a really hard conversation to start, but a really valuable one. And then, yeah, you're right. You might end up going out with somebody, getting engaged, getting married in that whole transition towards being a couple and a family. Money becomes a really important issue to try and get right as soon as possible. And, and what we'll do at some point in one of our next seasons, we're going to have this life stage season. And one of those life stages covers how do you maybe merge two sets of finances together, two people becoming one, two households becoming one. And that certainly applies if you have maybe divorced households joining together, or you have households separating or living in just unusual family circumstances. In those moments, it's no longer just your opinion of how you manage your money that matters. You want to hear and understand the other person's values and priorities in life, what they think money is for and how they intend to use it. You have to share yours with them. And whilst that's quite a daunting conversation sometimes, it can also be really exciting because for the first time, you might have somebody you can talk to openly and honestly and say, I'm not quite sure how to manage this. What do you think? So two people together can often get much better outcomes than one person by themselves. Excellent. And I guess within that, maybe the first step is actually acknowledging that money can be a difficult thing to talk about and almost approaching it with a humble attitude of, here's what I think. What do you think? Have you seen any kind of models of conversation that have worked well? Or is that far too simplistic an approach for something like money? nothing is too simplistic an approach. I'll put that out there to begin with. Any conversation about money is going to be a good thing, but there are some tips and tricks you can use. In fact, uh, an encouragement I would say is if you are starting to merge relationship and merge finances with somebody else, it's just start to open the conversation around maybe how you grew up understanding money. What did your parents tell you money was for? What were the values that they instilled in you? And then perhaps as you're going through the Bible, you might see something and point it out and go, hey, look at this. What do you think about this? How do you interpret that? 
conversations around money, we need to try and not make them confrontational. I think you're doing that wrong. I think you're spending money the wrong way. Instead, make them conversational. Hey, tell me about what you understand. Tell me about why you do it that way. I think that's really good. Can you explain to me how you got to that point? Now, those kind of conversations you can have with anybody, not just a husband and wife, a girlfriend, boyfriend, with parents, with children, with friends, with colleagues. Be inquisitive about money and people will be more prepared to talk to you about it. Excellent. I love that idea of taking a more conversational approach than confrontational. I think that'll be so helpful. As I'm thinking about money, I am thinking that so often it comes with its own language. Words like retirement and risk. How do all of those concepts that we often hear thrown about, but maybe don't understand fully, fit into our podcast conversation today? Okay, so um, we've got two big topics to cover briefly. One is the difference between financial advice and financial planning, and then some of the core basics. Let's try and make it as simple as possible. Financial advice is this process of almost moving money around. I've got some money over here. Should I put it into an ISA? Should I put it into a pension? Hey, if I do, which pension provider should I use? And hey, what about which fund should I invest in? How much risk should it be? There's this big conversation to be had, and we'll have it in the future, around how to use your money wisely in a very practical perspective. And there are people out there, financial advisors, who will give you the advice with their technical expertise to make good decisions in that respect. But financial advice is not the same as financial planning. A financial planner will pull together a much wider picture of your circumstances. What are your visions and values and purpose in life? What are your goals and objectives? How do we use your money to best achieve the outcomes that you want in life? Now, a financial planner might also give you the day-to-day financial advice that you need. They might help you move the money around, but you can separate the two. You can certainly individually do a lot of financial planning, and sometimes you'll need financial advice from a professional, but often you can do it yourself as well. Here's one little factor. Getting advice, getting input, getting planning help is generally better than just trying to do it solely by yourself. Now, by listening to this podcast, straight away, you're getting some input from somebody else. It's going to give you a more broad understanding of the topic. Speaking to other people is always helpful, even if it just reinforces what you already believe and decisions you've already made. Planning is valuable and you can do it by yourself or with another without having to pay for expert advice. In fact, most people in the UK can get by with a fairly simple set of financial planning affairs. Generally, if you're in work, you'll be in a pension scheme. Join the company pension scheme, get the employer's contribution, put your money into it. Again, topic for the future. If you've still got money left over or you need to save money for a shorter period of time, because with a pension, you can't get it out till you retire, you need an ISA, an individual savings account. And between those two investment products and the rules that go around them, most people will have all their financial needs met. You don't need anything more complicated. And then what do you put those ISA and pension funds into? For most people, Bex, a simple low-cost index tracker fund is the way to go. Now, some of you listening, great, tick a box, I know what that means. Others, those words, low-cost index tracker fund, what do they mean? Topic for the future. 
But if we can simplify as much of this just now, then more and more people can do it for themselves, plan their own finances and be better prepared for their future. I am definitely in the latter category on low cost index trackers. I will look forward to learning more about that in future. Um, But now that we've talked a little bit about why financial planning and a bit about what is financial planning, I've got some other questions for you, Simon. So my first question is who should use a financial planner? Yeah, the use of the financial planner is actually probably pretty bespoke. I would say not until your financial affairs get sufficiently large, lots of money being invested and managed, or sufficiently complex where you're not able to find all the answers that you need yourself. And generally, that means when you you look at something and go, I know that, but I still have questions. I'm not finding answers on the internet, not finding answers in books or in podcasts. That's the moment it's time to approach a professional and ask them the question, can you provide the help and the answers that I can't find myself? Everybody would benefit from using a financial planner. But to be honest, we're quite expensive. So hold off as long as you can. But certainly do it in the the, the lead up towards retirement, a big time to get the right decisions made. Excellent. So while I might not need a financial planner at the moment, when should I start thinking about a financial plan? Let's assume that a financial plan doesn't have to be on paper or on a computer. It could just be in your head. But it's when you start to deliberately make choices and decisions about how you're going to use your money. Financial planning starts the moment you have money. Am I going to spend it? Am I going to save it, put it in the bank? Am I going to give it away? Fundamentally, those are the only things you can do with money. Save it, spend it, or give it away. And saving it is just a holding ground until one day you spend it or give it away. But if you formalize that plan a bit more broadly, if you start putting in maybe some instructions to yourself, I'm going to prioritize that and that. I'm going to spend money on that first. I'm going to save up for that. I'm going to get my debt paid down. I would say the best time to start a financial plan was the moment you started earning money. And the second time to start a financial plan is today. Excellent. So you've convinced me that I need a financial plan. How often should I be adjusting it? A financial plan is only ever really a guess of what the future is going to hold. You can't say with certainty, and I said this in the Bible, actually, you know, I'm going to get that job. I'm going to earn that much money. I'm going to go on a holiday at those times. I'm going to buy a car for that amount of money. The future is unknown. But you might say, well, I think if I keep this kind of job and maybe I'll get a pay rise in the future and I can afford to pay my mortgage or my rent and maybe the price won't go up too much, you're starting to put in place guesses about what the future holds. But every time something changes, you have to adjust your plan slightly. That guess wasn't quite good enough. I'll update my guess and the plan goes forward. It might be that an unexpected bill happens. Well, you have to pay the bill rather than, let's say, go on holiday or or save money for replacing the car. So the, the plan is just that. It is a plan. It's not a prediction of the future. Effectively, change it all the time, but don't spend a lot of time over it. I would look at it typically once a month just to check did I think it went right? Have I got money in the bank? I thought I would. Great. Spend 10 minutes and move on. The early stages of building that plan can take a bit more time, though. Getting it right in your head and how you're going to monitor it and watch it. Excellent. So you talked about how our plans are really based on guesses and what we think will happen. And so we're adjusting it as those things happen. 
But one of the things that I worry most about with my money is what happens if something that I haven't planned for happens. I have a big expense or um, I'm self-employed. I can't work. How do I construct my plan in a way that is resilient to those kind of situations? And answering that question is typically the very first stage of a good financial plan. And it would look something broadly like this. Number one, you have to pay the essentials. You have to pay the bills, the food, a roof over your head. You have to survive. After that, even before many of life's luxuries, holidays or a new car or doing the house up, whatever it happens to be, it's putting money aside, an emergency fund, a pot of cash you can dip into when the unexpected happens. Because the unexpected will happen. We just don't know what it's going to be or when it's going to happen. And if you have that resilience, that little pot of money, that means you can dip into it and not have to go into debt, not have to borrow money. You are better prepared for the unexpected. But the unexpected can be even bigger than that. We can have accidents or injuries, time off work, loss of job, damage to relationships, things that break and sudden bills that come in. And, and heaven forbid, there could be death in the family or critical illnesses. There are steps that we can all take to not prepare for these things. We don't want to, to plan that they're going to happen, but to prevent them from having disastrous effects if they do. So, for example, if you're a single person with, with no debts, no mortgage, no car loan, and you die, well, actually, no one really financially suffers. But what if you're the breadwinner in a family with three kids and a mortgage and car payments and there's utility bills and food? If that person dies, there's a big consequence for others. So my counsel would then be consider insurance for that person. What happens if and then plan to prepare for it? So although we don't want to expect the worst, we do want to plan for some of these worst case scenarios. And the most resilient financial plan isn't just plan A. If all goes right, I'm going to have a great life. But it has plan B. What if that happens? Plan C, what if something else happens? Effectively, can we be as wise as possible with what God has given us today to prepare ourselves for many, maybe not all, but many of the eventualities that do happen from time to time for all kinds of people? And I know this as well. If things go really wrong, there are places you can get help. And we'll put some references in the show notes about those kind of places to turn to when things have gone seriously financially wrong. That's so helpful, Simon. And I'm sure we'll dive a bit more into the practicalities of putting those measures in place in future episodes. And so you talked about seeking expert advice when you have either a lot of money or when your money situation is very complicated. And so if somebody feels like they fit into one of those two categories, how should they go about finding a financial planner? Oh, unfortunately, Bex, we're running out of time. I'll have to answer that one in a future episode. I'm so sorry. We will get round to those kind of things. And for those questions, for more questions, my advice to you guys is tune in another time for the next episode of the Where Your Treasure Is podcast. If you've got questions that you want us to cover in the future, then just send us an email. It's whereyourtreasureis at freerangepodcasting.com co.uk but for me simon glazier that is it for now and that's it for me bex elder as well see you next time this podcast has been brought to you by free range podcasting 
let us take you where you and your podcast want to go.